0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast on Trekno Babble. This is Matthew.
1: And this is Kevin.
0: And we are doing the uh, season... Uh, wait, what should, I, what should I call this? The
1: mid-season finale.
0: <laughs> mid-season finale. Something I never wanted to say about a Star Trek series. The mid-season finale of Discovery called Into the Forest I Go. Um... You know, I I guess we can evaluate this on a couple levels. One is an episode in and of itself, and then, you know, just sort of take stock of where the show is at this point. uh, I mean, I guess in one one sense, I kind of wonder what the plan was, because initially they said the first half of the season was going to be eight episodes. And now, they extended it to be nine. Um, and of course, the ending of this episode seems like a very obvious, uh, you know, jumping-off point for a new story or something, uh, kind of a cliffhanger, if you will. Uh, so I, I just—did they add an episode? What, like, what, what's going on here? I guess is well, one if, of my if questions. If they
1: added an episode, it would have had to have been. The Mud episode, because nothing else was so self-contained. I'm wondering if... I think they just were breaking the stories and realized... I don't think they were going to get to that point uh, in time. Like, I don't think they were done filming episode 8... When they decided to make episode 9 the end point.
0: Yeah, that may be. Um...
1: So... We, we've talked about this a little before signing on... But I, I would say... Um, Evaluating it as an episode inside its four walls, I was reasonably to very entertained consistently throughout. I, I know that I had questions, and I, I, I know you probably had the same questions. But even while watching them with those questions, I remained engaged and entertained by the the episode itself. Like the the, and not just because of the Klingons, but the episode I kept thinking back to was uh, was Redemption another uh, cliffhanger episode pair that I personally enjoy immensely. Um, It's like, I think redemption is a better episode because even to the extent it also is a more actiony political episode without a lot of science fiction, it was jumping off of, you know, four seasons of work in that regard. So it felt like the change rather than the status quo. Um, Well,
0: the story makes sense in redemption. And I'm going to argue that it fails to make sense at key junctures in this, both in this episode and in this half season. Um,
1: I would say I I agree. It
0: was exciting. I think I agree. Yeah. I was entertained.
1: Yeah, I would say I think the story makes sense overall. I think the problem is in order for it to make sense, you have to kind of round up on a lot of character work or a lot of smaller stuff like assume like a like when a character gives a speech that should have a moment behind it you do kind of have to round up um I think it was the uh, io9 review who I'm really enjoying I've been really agreeing and enjoying uh I think her name is uh Catherine Trendacosta I really enjoy her work and I've been agreeing with her a lot and I think her point was uh I I think that the title of her review was uh this was a finale for a season we didn't get um and I think that's not not inaccurate at all. Like um, when when uh, Lorca says, uh, "You know, you were scientists, and we've you've been pressed into being warriors." There's a really good story and a really interesting Star Trek one to tell about a bunch of doe-eyed scientists who, because of circumstance, are forced into a different role. And had that been the narrative focus of the show rather than the Klingon war itself, I think Discovery would have benefited immensely. Yeah, um, but
0: you know how much of that we've gotten in nine episodes? Maybe four minutes worth.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I... al-
0: almost all located within Stamets bitching about Lorca. So it's uh, so I agree with Catherine Costa. I agree that uh, the character work is sort of, with the exception of Burnham, uh, unearned for the most part. But I also think the plot <laughs> and the plot work is unearned. Uh, I made this point to you the other day, and we can talk talk it out right now. But I, sometimes I'm reading reviews, and I I actually went back and watched this episode again because I was just like, am I missing something? Was you know, was I just like inattentive the whole episode somehow? And everybody else is seeing these things that connect with each other, and they're getting this plot, and they're they're like really engaged by things, and I'm just not. And I watched it again, and no. uh, I I think what people are doing is there are so many gaps. There are so many holes. there's Things are so slipshod and quick that people are just sort of filling it in with their brains. And some people have really good brains, and they're filling it in with great stuff. And so it's a great episode uh, to them. And maybe it's because it's so quick and slick that you kind of forget that you're doing it or something. Uh, There's a fair amount of stuff that works on this show. Um, But, man, it's a mess. It's a mess.
1: I wouldn't quite get to mess. I I think part... Maybe I am doing my own rounding. I was so happy when Cole died. I could (laughs) not tell you the unalloyed joy I felt it watching the sarcophagus ship and it's terrible sets and it's terrible people blow up um, because even to the extent we're continuing the Klingon war arc, given that we've nullified the Klingon's main tactical advantage and destroyed the ostensible, this is like the second ostensible leader of the Klingons we've destroyed. Um, I'm hoping that, and I'll, I'll get to this when we discuss Tyler, but like the, the war arc is now going to live only in the Lorel ash interaction. And I, Which I, is the
0: only part that really worked, yeah. Right. So great.
1: Part of me goes like, here. here maybe I'm looking. Kevin, back. wait, wait. Yeah.
0: Before yeah. before we move on. Yeah. Since you broached the Klingons, let's talk about what doesn't make sense in the Klingon part of this episode. Well, I mean, so, first look, and
1: foremost, their super secret sensors are super loud.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like. I mean, that's. A simple, horribly executed idea.
1: That was just a terrible piece of prop work. Like you told me, it's a sensor several times. You don't need to have a light that says "waiting for second sensor." It, well, it's, and a voice and, it's, and it, a it, beeping. It's fine. It's like yeah, it's just one of those like. No one thought that through, and it's not fatal to me. Somehow, it's one of those things. No, that's I, not. Well. I, I put it in a category, uh, uh, I will always love Mpok for the, the guy who had the list of uh, must-haves, could-use, and would-be-nice. Um, I, I do put a lot of narrative, like, plot holes, issues into the would could-use, would-be-nice category, where it's like, I always am happy happiest when you land little shit like that, but failing to land it doesn't destroy what is otherwise... An entertaining forty-two minutes that has inertia, or I guess momentum. Uh, none, uh everything has inertia. Um, like it, it had movement, and I was entertained. Like, uh, maybe it's an act of will. Maybe it's like one of those, you know, I am pretending to be happier, and the the question is, does that make me actually happier? Um, I I, and I think it's typified by the 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 overly loud bright sensor pods. It's like, yeah, would I have been happier with the prop people had they done a more stealth sensor thingy? Sure, sure. But on some level, every th- the character work was there. There was a briskness to the story that didn't feel teetering on the edge of incoherence. And coupled together, I'm just choosing to enjoy that moment.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so... The sensor pod is certainly something that I noted. But let's just look at the plan here, okay? Lorca, okay, so first of all, Starfleet is demanding, demanding that Discovery come back because they don't want to risk their prized asset, and they want to pool the best minds in the Federation to solve this intractable tactical advantage that the Klingons have. Their cloaking device. And so Lorca, in I think what is a fine bit of, you know, sort of Star Trek storytelling, you know, the captains are just like, fuck that. We're not doing what the admirals say. You know, we'll go back really slowly and see what shakes out, right? And so the Discovery crew gets together on the bridge and just sort of talks it out for 10 minutes and solves the problem and says, oh, well, here's the solution to the problem. We can just totally nullify the Klingon's cloaking device. Great. Okay, so that's to, unrealistic. To to
1: be fair, uh, and going back to Redemption, in about the same amount of time, Geordi also nullified the Romulan cloaking advantage by fiat in the conference room. Uh, I'm only yes, I'm but there throw- hadn't
0: been like four episodes of buildup.
1: I, I, I get that. I'm just I'm throwing it out. I am I am doing my due diligence to make sure I am not overly criticizing discovery for a thing next gen did that because i love next gen to pieces yes might excuse so
0: okay but (laughs) i'm I'm building a case here and each element might not be fatal in and of itself but to me the weight of all of them combined is fatal so they hatch their their super secret plan which involves getting people onto the klingon ship and placing these inordinately loud sensor pods that no one will discover for some reason. They have a complete sort of schematic layout of the ship. They know exactly where to place these things. They come up with a plan to jump around the ship 133 times. This plan is predicated on the ship cloaking, okay? And so for the plan to work, the Klingons have to do something that kind of doesn't make sense on its face, which is, Come to Pavo, confront Discovery, but then also cloak for some reason and not go somewhere. OK, well, I when the ship, when cloaked, is vulnerable. This is what has been said. They can't use their shields. They they you know, they're they're sitting in space waiting to be destroyed. But we don't know where they are. So, th- th- you know, they're safe. OK. So they have to get them to cloak and then stay still, which makes no sense. Then they make a spherical pattern around the ship that they don't know where it is in order to gather enough information to pierce you know, the, the invisibility of the cloaking screen. Do you see a problem there? They have to know where the ship is to make the sphere around the ship to find out where the ship is. It doesn't make sense on its face. And it's predicated on the Klingons doing something stupid.
1: I would say, I think that was not leaving. I think that's a problem with the editing of the scene, because like, it makes sense. The Klingons would defensively cloak when the ship jumps away. Like they're assuming they're setting them up for something. They would cloak defensively. And Cole, at some point about five minutes into the scene says, I don't know what the discovery is doing. We should leave and starts to leave and is distracted by the fight with Burnham. So like, it was there just didn't happen on a timely enough basis to be like, like even with the beaming on the ship, like we we've pulled the vessels are unshielded in the moments when they uncloak so we can use our transporters. Several shows have used that ability, taken advantage of that pickup.
0: But did they use them for 30 fucking seconds? I, I literally counted when the ship started to uncloak, to the time that the two crew members beamed right. they, they on the ship, they should have been
1: like just that was just an editing choice that doesn't quite make sense because they should have just been sitting on the pads waiting for the go. Um, Discovery I, I,
0: could have destroyed that ship in the seven time. or eight different times <laughs> during the time they were getting the information to destroy the ship. Okay, it it's not just you know bad editing; it's bad writing. It's sloppy. It's yeah, you know, uh, and I would say
1: they didn't clarify that they had to be face, they that it had to be 133 points in a sphere, that it had to be 133 data points to create enough. Because I assume what they were doing was much like the noise reducer that I use on this podcast after it's done to sift out, you know, anything in the background, it like looks at normal space, looks at the reading it's getting, subtracts one from the other to create to start to synthesize a way to detect the cloak in real time so i thought they just needed 103 133 shots from different vantages and it i'm again i'm rounding up but it wasn't clear that it had to be while the ship was stationary on a stable point
0: so much was not clear
1: and i get that um
0: and 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 other star trek and so like yes you can sort of cherry pick Instances where TNG or Voyage or or Deep Space Nine, you know, have done things in an unclear manner, but never to this sort of overall degree, you know, that the kind of unclarity and the kind of having people have to act stupid for the plot to advance here is verging on Abrams territory. And I think
1: think that's extreme. I, I think that's an unwarranted
0: allegation. No, I think it is. I'm saying that fully acknowledging and stipulating to the fact that the character stories, or at least some of them, work far better here than in Abrams, and various aspects of plots have been far better than anything in Abrams. But the, the mechanics of this particular episode's plot were stupid at an Abrams level, and it bothered me. I mean, like, so then Lorca... Sends Tyler, who spent seven months being tortured by Klingons. Lorca, who himself suffers from PTSD and keeps a phaser under his pillow, somehow thinks it's a good idea to send Tyler on this super secret mission with the loud sensor devices, but not to send Burnham. Yeah, why? That, that didn't I make don't any sense.
1: Yeah, that made no sense. I, I agree that that made no sense.
0: I send suppose just- Burnham chooses to chew his ass out on the bridge, you know, in what should get her sent to the brig in the same way it got her sent to the brig in episode one. Right. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. It, the whole scene seemed to exist mainly to indicate that there is conflict, not to actually illustrate a conflict that made sense based on the priorly prior established motivations of the characters. You know, it, None of it made sense. Basically, the plot dictated that Tyler had to get on the ship so that he could see Laurel and have a PTSD flashback. And so logic be damned, you know, care be damned, he was going to get there, okay? And that's the kind of stupid stuff that has to happen for this plot to happen. Was the scene itself interesting? Was it emotionally, uh, you know, valid and, and involving? Absolutely. I'm glad he had a PTSD episode. I'm glad that they broached the subject of uh, male sexual assault victims. I'm, I, You know, I'm glad – I'm kind of glad we got like the sort of flashback view of Tyler undergoing brain surgery. You know, like that I'm, – I'm resigned to the idea that he is woke in some way. It seems as though they're going for like a Manchurian candidate, like sleeper agent sort of thing, whether they've implanted – you know. It's something lame like memory engrams or whether they've actually physically altered, you know, they, they like scooped Voke's brain out and put it in Tyler's body or something. Who knows, right? But at least there's something other than just, oh, he's just a Klingon in disguise. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm happy that they've dodged that dum dumb bullet, you know. And, and they're going for something more science fiction and more interesting. Yeah, that, so yeah, I I'm I like that.
1: I liked I love I like Cornwell getting to be a psychiatrist for a second. Like I I, I am being thr- alive
0: number one. Ugh, but so then, happy.
1: <laughs> um, I am thrilled any time they land. Uh, like I I made this point during First Contact because uh, you thought Picard's reaction was too extreme when I think it made perfect sense. You don't like to some extent. You never fully heal from these kinds of things, and being reimmersed in the threat in a primary way would probably trigger a pretty severe ptsd episode but i uh, they 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 while they did so briefly um too briefly from a real world perspective they correctly dramatized that the crux of post-traumatic stress disorder is that you cannot separate remembering an event from experiencing it that is yeah, that so is they, the...
0: they got that right so i was thrilled
1: because the... there's been a number of times in star trek in which they've kind of glossed over that or done something that feels inauthentic for the sake of a story so all of that made me I... happy
0: I've got to say, though, you know, after Cornwell on screen says, he's going to be no good to anybody for a long time, she then proceeds to talk to him for like two minutes and snaps him out of it by saying, you know, you got to save Burnham. You know, it's like, oh, well, gee, if only our soldiers today loved their, you know, main squeezes as much as Tyler seems to love Burnham, they could have just snapped their fingers and just, you know, gotten out of their episode. Uh, the way that he does here, it so it's like I, I they was... get cr- they get credit for broaching it in a very real feeling way, but then they just sort of dispensed with it as soon as it know. was. I,
1: I think that's a little overstating it. I think the way he responded to this, it's like he he fired his face like he he doe fired his phaser and was beamed out. He wasn't like I, I think that could be categorized as some fairly like straightforward survival instincts, not like a. Like he was still clearly in the middle of, of something well past that point. So I, I I was okay with it.
0: Why did they all have their phasers on stun except to not kill Laurel and not kill, you know, it's it's like it didn't make sense, right? Um Yeah. So Burnham has her big uh tete tete with core. Cole. Is it core Cole. No, sorry he's
1: from the house of core
0: yeah <laughs> uh, which okay f- so f- <laughs> one there were a lot of things that annoyed me about this episode but perhaps the the biggest thing that annoyed me was the fact that the Klingons just suddenly lapsed into English okay which <sighs> th- there's two two things that bug me here one is that apparently, the communicator has housed the universal translator all this time, ten years prior to TOS, you know, and just does it perfectly. Um,
1: I'm but pretty not, sure that the universal translator was working in TOS, right? Like
0: the universal translator was a sort of Dildonic object in Metamorphosis. It, it was a long, slender tube with uh, some lights on it. it. That's not my main beef. My main beef is. Once they started talking in English, the Klingon scenes were so, so much more entertaining and so much easier to watch than they were for the prior eight and a half episodes. I agree. To make us suffer for eight and a half episodes just to arbitrarily decide to have him speak in English is, it? it's insulting. It, well, it's, I, I don't
1: think it was arbitrary. I think the way they pitched it was, was we were supposed to take their clashing interpretations of what the universal translator was for in in some interesting way and i think it's endemic i think i get what they wanted to do but they didn't do enough to make it work like like i don't think she was indicating her use of the universal translator in this case meant she was just coming to parley with them i think that would that would be stupid i read it as Starfleet's development of this technology is indicative of their philosophy of peaceful coexistence, where Cole <sighs> saw it as some assault on the uniqueness of their identity. Is uh, this
0: really the conversational opener when you violently intrude on your mortal enemy's ship?
1: Star Trek has the paused for a philosophical st- debate many up. times.
0: <laughs> the moment she stood up, she should have been rendered into a smoldering ash pile. By all the Klingons on board, it the, the scene made no sense. It's like the the writers and the showrunners are like, we have to have a duel between these two. How are we going to get that to happen? Let's have her stand up in the middle of a firefight and no one will shoot her. It's it's arbitrary. Okay, now was the duel enjoyable? Yes, I enjoyed it. You know, was it cool that she got the captain's badge back? Yes, great. Of course, I actually
1: thought about. A- my one production note about the uniforms that I like unalloyed is despite the fact that um, they're terrible at indicating rank on screen, I do like that they're essentially dog tags. I don't know why, but that really did it for
0: me. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's great. Um, apparently, magnetic dog tags because. Co- coal is it coal or
1: this time i'm really gonna lean in a million times starfleet officers have placed a con badge somewhere on their on the fabric of their torsos and it adheres by magic
0: i'm not criticizing it i'm just saying it's apparently magnetic (laughs) Uh, don't think that everything i'm saying here is a criticism (laughs) there are aspects there the emotional beats of scenes worked the plot did not work the progression from scene A to scene B to scene C didn't work. It, it was garbage. It was just, it's like, okay. So I don't know. Have we talked about enough on the Klingon stuff? Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think, I mean, I'm
1: just like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving it a notch, a, a point more in my head because they ended it and they ended it as well as they could have ended it given the setup they did. Like,
0: Oh, yeah. I was thrilled when the ship blew up. I'm like, finally, yeah, there no was, more of this. There guy. was
1: nothing left to do, but get out quickly. And they did. So but I
0: gotta say, I gotta say, it wasn't, you know, like, the kind of villain death where you loved to hate that villain. And this was a richly deserved ending for that villain. This was just like, thank fuck, the writers have gotten over themselves. And we're gonna move on to something that could potentially be more interesting.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm, I, on that basis, literally everything that happened on the Klingon ship is fine. Like <laughs> it, it all served the end of resolving that story, so it is fine. Um, on the ship, I re- I liked it. Um, I, I liked like Stamets and, and Culber have a credible relationship. Um, sure, it is it is informed by a mix of their affection and like like any relationship they care about each other they occasionally come into conflict i thought tilly's letting the cat out of the bag was a uh, surprisingly organic and ex- a very good use of the character like tilly's there to put her foot in her mouth she did so quickly and credibly and not in a way that makes me think they're mocking autistic people so well yeah done. well done i i i think
0: the moat motive for Stamets' secrecy. I mean, they recapitulated it in the, the, the recap. I, I still don't think they let that scene breathe to the point where it would make sense. Like, I take it to be, it's illegal to genetically modify oneself. And so if I let my lover know that I've done so, he'll be obligated to report me which would make him hurt. But then if he doesn't report me, he's risking his career. Um,
1: well, I think he knows he's been modified because the he helped him with the you yeah, know, iPod yeah. things uh, with the USB ports in his arms. I think it was that if he knew he was suffering some type of mental side effect, he would have to well, report it.
0: So, but why is that such a... Uh, uh, again, it's like you feel the actor's and you feel oh, their yeah. emotions. Oh yeah, Anthony Rapp
1: sold the fuck out of every single... Like, I I was not immediately the biggest fan of the Stamets character. I found him too crotchety for his own good. I have really warmed to the character and Rap's portrayal of him over the last nine episodes. I bought I, I, his entire arc at this episode completely. Like, uh, even in that scene with Lorca, where I read it as, Lorca is clearly manipulating you. I bought... Why he was manipulatable, like, I'm like, yeah. on his side, I completely get it.
0: No, I, I agree. Um, I, there were a few, like, lingering shots on hangdog expressions that were just, you know, almost schmaltzy to me. Um, I mean, how many times by the end of the episode did it say, just one more jump? just one more jump and I'll go see Labohem with you. Oh, which, just one more jump and I'll have no. I know it was really
1: like oh god it's not going to go well is it? I will say I did I did like the M reference and normally I hate shit like that when it's a little too referential for its own good but for anyone who does not know uh the opera M is the basis of the opera rent of which both of those gentlemen uh made names for themselves appearing sure. in so i found sure. that to be like i don't, like i'm like you know what this is fine normally this kind of like too cutesy in joke annoys the hell out of me but i'm like this i smiled like an idiot and i'm not even the biggest rent fan uh, i no. like uh, but i was like this is cute well done guys I didn't,
0: I didn't mind that particular joke um what i minded was that they just like beat us over the head it it it's as if the character was, was like showing a picture of his retirement boat, and he's just, <laughs> I've got one more day left till retirement, you know. And it, I got to say, once they showed the schematic of the alternate realities in the mycelial network, uh, you know, I called it to Kelly, you know, this episode's going to end in the Mirror Universe. <laughs> uh, and so nothing was surprising. And so, so on, on that topic. Um, th- so I watched it again because, of course, the Io9 articles pointed out that Lorca seemed to be, you know, futzing around with the controls during this yeah, one yeah. last jump, uh, intentionally, I guess. I, I look. I don't. Number one, let me say. That if the direction this show is going is to explore alternate realities, um, I actually would prefer that uh, to trying to fill in things that did not need to be filled in in the ten years prior to TOS. Okay, so like that would actually be a meaningful uh, iteration and you know change and growth in the Star Trek formula. To, you know, to do sort of like the SS relativity, you know, kind of, kind of stuff, right? To, to go in a slightly more Doctor Who direction, if you will. Uh, I I'd be perfectly okay with that. Okay. What I'm not okay with, is nine episodes in. For many of the characters, especially Lorca, I I don't know who he is. I don't know what his motivations are, and. It's not like, there's good mystery and there's bad mystery, okay? I like a good mystery. Good mysteries are predicated on things where there there are things you have yet to find out, but you have reasonable uh, pieces of evidence to make you incline one way or the other. And maybe there's evidence that inclines both ways. Bad mystery is just confused garbage in which... They haven't really given you the information, and yet things are still unknown, right? So bad mystery is like lost. You know, good mystery is, I don't know, can you name a show that has good mystery? Uh, You know, like Sherlock or something, right? Um, This is bad mystery. Is Lorca a mirror Lorca? Is Lorca a bad guy? Is Lorca, you know, a warmonger? Is Lorca really on the level with the science stuff? At at the end of the day, there's just so many freaking, you know, theories that have equal claim on, you know, sort of believability that I'm just exhausted. You know, you got to give me something to, to chew on, to think about. You know, Lorca is such a cipher that it makes no sense you know? Yeah, uh, and this this is nine episodes uh, in.
1: Uh I'm willing to if, if this is what they're <coughs> sorry, if this is what they'll be exploring with the rest of the first season, I'm actually fine to wait. If they never resolve it and continue to use the ambiguity to excuse inconsistent characterization, that will get annoying. I, I think nine episodes is act like out of what Reasonably might be 160 170 is plenty. Is not that much time in laying out a character. I think in other iterations, the characters have gone under gone some fairly drastic uh, tweaks. Once the writers realized what the actors were, what they and the actors were were good at. um I I, I think the theory I am most bonded to is that Lorca sabotages a jump because he knows the minute he gets back to Starfleet Command, his ass is. Grass.
0: Well, and so I thought that too, right? <laughs> Kelly and I both were thinking, wow, he's basically done what Burnham did. He mutinied against the direct orders of superior officers. Regardless of the consequences, this is something that cannot stand in any chain of command. And so his ass should be grass. But then there's this scene with Lorca and Stamets, you know, in this ginormous shuttle bay you know, sort of waxing rhapsodic about the universe and stuff. And he's like, Yeah, they wanted to give me the Legion of Honor. Well now wait. Was that a fake medal? Was it the medal they were going to give you right before they court martialed you? You know, or did they just let you get away with gross insubordination and reward you for it?
1: Well, we other star well, I mean, I think there's there is enough precedent for Starfleet excusing successful mutiny. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but I'm- my po- my point here is there's not enough to go on, right? It's like everything in the prior episodes has been leading to this tension. This, uh, you know, you've gone too far. You know, Cornwell should be like, "That's it, you're done, Dunzo." You know, it's like, "So long, Captain Insano." You know, it's like you're no longer in command, right? Which was apparently why. He let her go on this mission, which was completely foolhardy. That he made no effort to rescue her whatsoever. Uh, you know, it, it's it seems like he fully intended for her to, you know, not be able to pull the trigger. Oh yeah, on and,
1: and I'm assuming like that's the most logical explanation. Like I don't know. I'm just they have like maybe one certainly two. If I'm in a particularly generous or drunk mood, come January. But at least what I will give them one more episode because I I have to believe that in in the the first thing they will do is try to figure out what went wrong and unless they want to pull the dumbass lost style mystery box thing I, I'll I'll say this in the show's defense so far several of the except for the general is Ash really Klingon some a lot of the this is a, this is a something secret gets explored like the next episode like it wasn't like eight episodes of statements hiding his his issues they were dissolved they were discovered in the very next episode so i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that we will explore what is going on as the first order of business when we come back from the break and if they do and if it's interesting and the character work is credible and the acting is good i'm fine i'm i'm fine with that so
0: the character work on two or three of the characters has been very good and the acting overall for all the, all the actors has been excellent. So that would definitely be what I would, you know, categorize as what works on this show. And this is why I'm invested enough to be annoyed, okay? <laughs> right? Like I I actually care about some of these characters and want to see what happens to them and am annoyed when things get either dropped Or glossed over, or, you know, like completely dumb, dumb developed. So, I mean, how many things have been dropped unceremoniously so far in this show? Did we see anything about Pavo again? We spent a whole goddamn episode hearing about how amazing and how, you know, different and, you know, how peaceful and how beautiful this hearing about it because we never saw it it was never dramatized for us we only heard about it in dialogue and so i was thinking wow maybe these povins are really going to do something or say something in the next episode maybe they're going to be like organians maybe they're going to be like metrons who knows right and we got zero zero screen seconds of the blue fart creatures doing anything interesting whatsoever they just abandoned it do you do you honestly think they're gonna go back to pavo and talk to these they're not you know so what the fuck why did you spend time on it well see that's what
1: makes me think they realized that the the klingons are coming to pavo was not a good season break and then did this up and then shifted things around that 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 would be my gut is that was they were building the story because that does kind of feel like a end it you know like a cliffhanger klingons are coming to destroy this planet we have to stop them that could work um
0: they dropped the tardigrade you know they dropped the the time-shifting crystal wristband thingy you know they dropped
1: i mean is that a dropping or just i mean it was a one it it was a one-off episode it's like
0: and by far the best episode
1: yeah I, I, i don't know i looking back over these nine episodes, and I'm just uh, academically pulling up every other series' first nine episodes. Um, I don't know. I find the acting has been good and consistent in a way that wasn't necessarily there for anything other than TOS. Um, the right, like I'll put it this way. There hasn't been a great episode yet, but there hasn't been a clunker. I I mean, I think you you really disliked last week's episode, but even that, like, there's not been an episode that was, like, shockingly bad. And I think by this point in every other series, they had racked up an episode that was, like, jaw-dropping in its terribleness. Like it's now like so bad. It's good again because it's so bad. And maybe there there have
0: been no codes of honor. Maybe, Uh, maybe that's
1: the cost of this serialized story where it lives or dies by how much you like the entirety. And it kind of forecloses any one episode being truly amazing because you can't put all your amazing in a big story into one chapter of it. And I appreciate that as a question, a concern, a query about the structure of the show. But i'm looking like i'm trying also not to rate the show as a finished product at this point um we have been and had to be somewhat generous with with other franchises and their growing pains and i think in the balance these might be the least painful growing pains so far like it just uh like I am certain, what the actors and writers want to do in a way that I was not about TNG and DS9 at this point. I, 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 I like I'm. Tr- what I'm, like I said before, what I'm really trying to do is not ask this show to be in its first nine episodes. What Next Gen was in its middle fifty. Um, like I, th- I, I, I do. I agree
0: th- with that, Kevin. But
1: I do think we are kind of comparing the apples of this show to the oranges from the Mount of Olympus uh, that TNG produced. And I think we might, and and again, and the other thing I'm trying to do is trying to make sure that I am like, I am just naturally a more critical person now than I was when I first watched Star Trek, because I'm also 25 years older. Uh, My, my, my pool of things to critique has just gotten larger. And I'm like, it's one of those, like, I think our love of the show allows us to if not gloss over we certainly clocked every single error TNG ever made. We have the numbers to prove it. But I think the experience of watching them is less frustrating to us one because we know from experience the good times are coming. Like the 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 lowest like watching shades of gray. We know it's a terrible episode, but oh my god, season 3 is right around the corner. Let's watch some season 3. So I I I I am trying not to treat... Like, obviously, it's valid, especially if they're going to call it a mid-season finale. If they're going to say we are hitting a major story beat right now, it's it's valid to judge a serialized story at its at its midpoint when they make a big deal out of the fact it's the midpoint. I am trying to balance that with the fact that it's a little unfair and I think a sign of how spoiled we've become in the golden age of television to expect a show to be its best immediately like as i think if you chart from like uh that first episode after um the premiere to now i think the characterization is much better much more consistent i like all the characters a lot more and for all of our concerns about the the details of the mechanics of these plots most of the narrative energy came from how the the at least the you know, Burnham, Tyler, Stamets, most of the engine of those stories was the emotional character states of those characters. Like, Stamets feels things for his partner and his work. Conflict. Resolve. Uh, Burnham has a wants to obviously kind of avenge, to the extent she can, Jojo's death. Tyler is obviously a victim of a severe trauma. Like, all, all of the stuff that propels these stories... Is character driven, not necessarily plot dictated. So the places where the plot cut corners are more excusable to me, as they have been as long as we've been doing this. I've always forgiven an episode that cheated on a narrative resolve if it gave me a really good crying scene. You know, that's that that's that's me. Um, so I, I stepping back, and I, and also I'm trying not to like. I've counted the number of times over the course of the last nine episodes that I've said something like, "Well, I really enjoyed it while I was watching it, but I have a lot of questions." I'm trying not to discount. I did actually enjoy it. Like, I'm not just like. I have a feeling by the time we get to like the doldrums of Enterprise, I will be watching it for the sake of completeness and finishing this project we've embarked on. And even, even at the lower, relatively lower points, um, because I, I don't think I've given anything lower than a three, but I agree last week's was, was pretty weak, was the weakest in terms of narrative structure. Um, I'm never bored and I'm never actively annoyed. And maybe it's maybe they've learned just like I'm like the partner expecting their boyfriend to get better now like I'm marge simpson expecting if i love homer enough he'll be a, a a more functional partner because they give me just enough real star trek to keep me hanging on expecting them to give me more of it later but they do keep doing it like now again if it if it's this for another season or two will will the bloom fade from the rose sure but i i just feel slightly more like even after this episode like i said i i am not i want to make sure i appropriately reward them for trimming the fat we have been complaining about since day one like I I think if nothing else whatever the like the serialized nature is creating compression problems for the kind of fine-grained narrative fastidiousness that we like in what we consider to be the best Star Trek that being said I think the show is is moving in the right direction and I can be happy on that basis
0: well As far as hoping that he'll treat you right uh, this time, if only I hug him a little harder, um, there's been no indication (laughs) that that's coming. They've dropped every big idea they've had. Uh, The dum-dums have just continued and continued and continued. Um, There's basically, like you said, you you pinpointed the character stories that, that so far work pretty well. You know, Burnham has a nice redemption arc, Uh, you know, Stamets and what's his name? The doctor Culber, you know, have a credible relationship, which I want to, to work like I like I want them to be happy, you know, and Tyler is interesting, just as Tyler. And I could even see an interesting development as a Manchurian candidate, you know, sort of sleeper agent thing. So great. Okay, fine. Lorca makes no sense. Uh, Saru is played by a fabulous actor, but we've been given almost no information about him. Um, You know, Tilly is very one-note. The note is fine. I like the note, but there's not much more there. And then there's, like, Robot Lady and Scar Lady and, you know, like now afro transport guy, you know,
1: I am worried that robot lady's going to really piss me off whenever they get around to explaining her.
0: <laughs> but I, it's not even that I'm... It's just... Here's the thing. We're nine episodes in, and you're absolutely right that TNG, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, they all suffered from stinker episodes in the same time frame. But in each of those series, I knew what the show was about, okay? And so I knew the theme that was being worked on, that was being developed. I knew the basic worldview that the series was propounding. And so I could forgive a code of honor because I knew overall, they've established in the pilot and they've returned to themes in TNG, let's say, of how far has humanity developed? You know, uh, have have our ethics and our, uh, you know, ways of dealing with each other uh, caught up with our technology. Great, wonderful theme. In Voyager, you know, the theme is, will our ethics survive this arduous and tumultuous situation? Can they hold up even when all the comforts of Starfleet and the Federation are stripped away. In Deep Space Nine, the theme is, you know, does this worldview, which is predicated on, you know, a certain uh, material stability, does it coexist peacefully and meaningfully with worldviews that don't uh, have those benefits and that have different bases, you know, uh, cultural bases, right? And so, you could have a move-along home, you could have a coat of honor, you could have you know, whatever stinker episode you want to name, and yet you could feel in every episode that that theme was still there, that the showrunners had a clear vision of what they were doing. What in the hell is the theme of this show? What is going on in this show? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Is that the theme that we just can't know? Is the theme this, you know science being subverted by, you know, military necessity, is the theme, uh, you know, there's an aggressive xenophobic civilization on the border of, you know, an open, tolerant, liberal democracy, and can they coexist in any way, way, shape, or form? You know, I don't know. I don't know what the theme is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be watching. I don't know what lessons I'm supposed to be taking from it. And so the plots have Oodles and oodles of holes, a lot of sort of dumb dumb progression, which of course has happened in various other Star Trek episodes, but not, I would argue, to this consistent degree. Okay? Uh, You know, so the plots make no sense. The characters, some of them make sense, but some of them don't. Who is Lorca? What is his deal? You know, I feel like we should be given at least the elements of a mystery that we have not gotten, okay? And I like Jason Isaac's performance. You know, he's just not getting the lines to give his character depth and complexity. Instead, it's just like this surface gloss. And I'm not confident that we'll ever get more because nothing this show has done has inspired me with confidence that they have the ability to follow through on an idea. They take an idea... They spend one third of one episode on it and then they ditch it. That to me is what has typified this show so far. Um you know, and so yes, I'm entertained, but I'm left unsatisfied. <laughs> you know? I- I'm unsatisfied at the end of nearly every episode, with the with the exception of the Harry Mud Time Loop episode. Magic to make the sanest man go mad basically you know in the first couple episodes i was like okay things are moving there's a plot i'm into it they're at least hinting at you know these sorts of big ideas but then for the the next six episodes it, nothing 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 you know it it's it's really starting to wear on me it, I yeah, want I get,
1: I'm i'm just not there like i'm not as satisfied as i want to be or hope i will be but it's like that was okay at least, um, and and maybe I'm maybe my attachment to the well portrayed characters is strong enough to kind of tide me over until something uh, more thorough comes along. But I, at the end of each I, episode so far, I've been at least okay. Not mad. Not mad. I'm used to being I'm hoping, mad.
0: I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping that the the characters continue to develop because I like them you know, and I'll keep watching because I want to find out what happens. And so far, you know, they didn't kill Cornwell, you know, they haven't done anything horribly stupid with Stamets or, you know, Burnham or Tyler. Okay, great. You know, I just, I've got no confidence. I have no confidence that things will work out in logical, meaningful ways that, Story threads that should be followed up on will be followed up on. I, and so at, it's sort of rootless. Like, I, I don't know what to what to pay attention to. It's sort of like overload. You know, everything happens so fast and then is cut away from so quickly. I don't know which thing the writer or the director of the episodes wants me to focus on. OK, that that's a big part. Of cinema, a big part of directing, a big part of visual storytelling is choosing the point of emphasis, choosing the thing that the audience is supposed to take away. And not just from a whole episode, but from scene to scene, you know, the, the through line, if you will, you know, of a plot and great directors and great writers and great showrunners can do this. And you're, there's there's loads of great actors. There's hundreds, thousands of great actors out there. But a great actor in a plot that doesn't hang together is just a great actor, you know, performing, you know, a, a kind of crappy play, you know?
1: I don't know. I, I would agree with your general thesis that I don't know what Discovery is about in the way I could easily summarize what the other shows were about, except maybe Enterprise. Enterprise is thing was we're a prequel like that was part of enterprise's problem i agree Um, i think maybe we're experiencing an inversion of the pyramid here where it's like i feel like early tng early ds9 they were very strong on their worldview they were less strong on individual episodes consistent characterization some acting choices modulating the ham cheese factor a little bit here and there yeah um, and I think that's kind of flipped here. I think the show has consistently strong actors who, at least in their own heads, I think have a solid picture of what their characters are. Um, the effects are consistently good and credit where it's due, even when their choices are, like, I don't like, I do not respond to the warp effect on this show. I find it overly busy aesthetically, but I can't deny that there is a visual mind at work and that there is, you know, a competent execution throughout um so, so the missing brick in this wall is an identity that so and i get it and and, and that's the
0: keystone and maybe it's not I, just a brick it's the keystone I
1: mean, it maybe may if i had my 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 way and i were you know god emperor of the universe i might make shows in the tng model as opposed to this one
0: but i'm, I'm certainly not i don't know i'm just not i'm not mad i'm it doesn't no look it doesn't have to be TNG, you know, Alien of the Week, boardroom discussion, which I adore. I'm not going to say I don't adore that, but I like other shows. I like other formats of shows. You know, this can be a more action oriented show. This can be a darker show. This can be, it just has to be something consistently. And it I'm, has to, it's I got get, attention deficit disorder. I guess
1: I am holding out hope that these problems are the lingering but hopefully now resolved artifacts of the identity crisis the show went through in its formation um now whether that means that now will they resolve it in a way that i like who is to say um but i think you know watching the show in development if not hell development purgatory for a couple of years there seemed definitely to be this tension between the closer to traditional Star Trek anthology series that Brian Fuller wanted to run and the whiz-bang action movie that Alex Kurtman has already made. So may- maybe this is the show shaking out what it is because it it doesn't know what it is. It, I, I, I would agree with that assessment. I guess I'm, I am more, what's the word I'm looking for? I am more enthusiastic about watching the show figure it out um, than you seem to be and i'm hoping they result i'm hoping like if nothing else killing i cannot overstate how buoyed i am by killing cole when he died it was like a burden lifted off of my
0: heart it's just it's like the k-zone
1: yeah where it's like you got it and hey you got it in nine episodes you didn't spend two seasons with him. well done so i'm hoping that like, if nothing else like saying our original plan was to break it eight episodes No, nope, we need another episode okay editing is good we killed the least effective plot. Pot, but we killed the least effective part of this plot. Can't speak today, um, and I'm hoping that that indicates a critical eye toward their work that will manifest in resolving these things. Like I think they almost like they don't have a choice. They've by putting the scene of Lorca, futzing with the futzing with the spore drive they've they've called the question like who is Lorca what is he is he a fundamentally good man with unresolved PTSD is he a fundamentally shitty man with unresolved PTSD what is a shitty man like whatever question you want to ask whatever inconsistencies in the characterization I agree there are several I think setting up the episode they've done even in the preview there's you know stamets being like you wanted this didn't you like yeah. I, I think they are calling the question which is great i mean that maybe that's where i am I, I think to the they've gotten rid of one plot point and appear to have teed themselves up to resolve the next great unresolved plot point point. and even if, and again i'm i'm more than willing to give them the benefit of the doubt all kind of that even if they resolve it in a way that i would not or wish they hadn't if you do it well I mean i can't be that mad at you like it like like i said like uh, many of the aesthetic choices on this show are not the ones i would have made and they are certainly not my favorite um largely just because i find it all too busy but i can't deny they're doing it well that they are achieving whatever image they had in their head that they are manifesting it on screen consistently and with a you know quality of production value that is not normally associated with televised Star Trek. Um, sure.
0: I, I, yeah, I'm over any criticism of the visual look of the show. It is what it is, and it works. Yeah, yeah. so I, I
1: don't it's know. So maybe I...
0: Maybe it's because I've built this very
1: small place in my psyche that this is like the last place that I will permit myself to be optimistic. Because if you're listening to this from the future, from either the Soviet states of America, the the hollowed out nuclear wasteland that used to be America, or just a second term of the Trump presidency, heaven forbid, um, everything the handmaid's
0: sh- tale, basically. Yeah,
1: everything is shit right now. Like. Republicans are literally defending someone I credibly believe has been accused of molesting teenagers a lot um, in the name of maintaining, in the name of tax cuts. Like, it's yeah. it's almost biblical. It's like, it's like the devil went up to these people and said, you can have all this if you bow down and worship me. And they asked, what's the marginal tax rate? Um, it's just, so I need one thing to believe in to make it okay so maybe maybe I'm just I am volitionally putting my aches in this basket and I might be grasping at straws but I credit myself they are actual straws
0: well I <laughs> mean so obviously I'm with you in terms of uh, you know appraisal of the day and times <laughs> that we live in and so I want Star Trek that makes me feel good and this Star Trek doesn't make me feel that it to the extent that it makes me feel anything consistently, it's troubled. And to the extent that it's completely inconsistent, it just annoys me. Um, So
1: I I will agree. This does not make me feel happy in the way that other Star Trek has. And I think, I think you actually said this after we logged off uh, last time uh, that as much as we like the, as much as the idea has been presented that a darker, grittier Star Trek is the subversive story, given the time and place, like um TOS came out in the in the height of the Cold War, so a story that we would eventually find resolve our differences with the Russians and all live happily ever after was shocking. uh The TNG, yeah, in the, th- eight- the way
0: I put the way I put it is that it's a defiant creation of reality.
1: Yeah, like tngs was we are a communist paradise at the height of me 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 capitalism like patrick's captain picard is the anti-gordon gecko um so like i i appreciate the utility of like i think i i agree with what you said which that it, it would be subversive to tell optimistic star trek right now to say that these problems are fixable and we can imagine a world in which they have been fixed and explore how that happened.
0: Yeah. We're but, living in the darkest timeline already. We don't need a darker timeline on TV. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I've just, I find it easier to just ride the wave. I, I mean, and I, I don't know if that's something I'm doing willfully, ignor- ignorantly, willfully, ignorantly, if that's a thing, like I just, there's enough here for me to hang my hat on as just entertaining television that I'm okay I am I mean yeah I'm not I, I haven't given a five yet and if they never change their, their system I probably won't but it's good it's not bad it's, it's definitely better than the Abrams movies and I think more roundly entertaining than the first two two and a half seasons of Enterprise like I, I don't have a problem tucking this above those in terms of success at this point that's that's obviously subject to change um yeah. hey i mean if nothing else i don't have to go back and make that 3 a 2 for for killing cornwell so hey you yeah. you you you're really picking up the points here <laughs> um i was re- i was so i am so happy cuz if nothing i mean yeah like unless they do the dumb thing and just drop her character now that she's alive um i really want her to come back and just Hand Lorca his balls in like a stasis jar. Just I oh, it's gonna be great. Um,
0: she should just be on the ship.
1: Oh oh my god, that would be so good. Oh, she could take over the. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm she okay. could
0: become the captain.
1: Oh, that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> like okay, like I yeah I I guess my, my big unresolved question is how much of this show is the remnants of Brian Fuller's influence how much of the show will remain under that influence how much of the show is Kurtzman's influence and how much of that will stay like I I almost feel like the the premiere two-parter posited that the rest of Starfleet is much more openly classic Star Trek in terms of it's like worldviews and emotional reactions and thinking and that Lorca is being posited as some something different for un as yet non cemented reasons we've hinted at it we've explored it but we haven't really dug in yet so maybe that's the end game of some synthesis of this darker story set inside this larger story which when they did it on new space nine i ate up with the spoon so maybe um and, and uh maybe i'll it's like i i just i remain slightly more optimistic because i feel like a lot of this episode was the course correcting i've wanted here's the thing kevin
0: on the deep space nine uh comparison you know deep space nine would not have worked if there hadn't been a credible representation of the federation worldview and in fact Basically, every single Starfleet character was, you know, a a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed idealist, including Cisco. And the darker parts of the worldview came from the alien characters. They came from Kira, Odo, and Quark. And so the tension was there because both sides were represented, you know,
1: And I would would say.
0: This doesn't have that.
1: Here, uh, I would say that the prime Star Trek view is usually because they're shoving the words in her mouth by Burnham. Yeah. That being said, I wish. And maybe this is the artifact of the serialized story that they haven't figured out how to thread that needle yet of how to give that the space to breathe when every episode has to spend some of its runtime advancing the season arc. Like, it's. Well,
0: and the fact that it's been put in her mouth also kind of makes no sense since from the outset, she's been the maverick. She's, she wanted to preemptively destroy the Klingons in order to send the rest of the Klingon empire a message because she knew that violence was the only thing that they would respond to. That's not a traditionally, you know, federation value. I
1: I grant you that.
0: Um, and so it, it's just like, there's like one staffer on the show who likes Star Trek. And then there's a bunch of other writers who are like, we could totally do this thing better than they did it. And so every once in a while, you know, they'll throw in a where no one has gone before or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, you know. But the overall show is, it's just like not about the Federation, I guess, you know. Insurrection. For as many problems as that movie had, which I think are exaggerated, but, you know, it represented both worldviews. And of course, the heroes represented the ostensibly correct worldview, which is that, you know, you you can't run roughshod over the rights and the preferences of a small group of people in order to serve the whole, uh, which, you know, that's the Federation worldview, right? That's the prime freaking directive. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't just destroy a unique individual race or culture based on the needs and the vicissitudes of a bunch of other cultures around them, okay? That worldview, you're right. It, it's occasionally spoken, usually by Burnham, but it's just, it's not really there because then. You know, she goes to the Klingon ship and challenges people to duels to the death and, you know, is glorying in the destruction, you know, of of this vessel. And eh, like, what was with the montage, like the explosion montage with like, it practically had rock music going on in the background. It was like a Michael Bay movie or something. Well,
1: that's just the age we live in.
0: Apparently. Where Uh, are you on this? Go
1: ahead. Oh, sorry. The, the scene, the one scene I hated completely without reserve, without
0: qualification. Sex scene?
1: Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, I could have gone my entire life without seeing that scene and been a better person for it. I saw as much cleavage of a Klingon woman with the Dura sisters and their awesome outfits. That was it, uh, I, I believe. And, and again, credit You didn't words. want a
0: little nipple action on no. top of that?
1: Credit where it's due. I, b- I believe this was uh, Kate Trendacosta at IO9 again, um, which uh, she pointed out. It's another brick of, it's another piece of evidence that they are not to be trusted with the increased freedom that the streaming versus network television affords them. Much like uh, Tilly swearing.
0: Yeah, Tilly swearing the corpse room. It's like yeah. a bunch of gratuitous garbage.
1: Right. Like, like Star Trek can do some. It can get like you know uh, you know the the most useful example i think would be like picard uh chain of command those scenes were upsetting but they were upsetting to underscore the episode's point which was torture is bad so they showed us that torture is bad um they've done you know not risk i would say it's always tried to be a family-friendly show for for better for worse but it's like the times they have pushed that boundary um they've done so because the story suggested it should, not because they simply could. Uh, so this... And it was like, all I could think of was that scene And Was it... It was one of the shitty Alien movies, like Alien... The one with Renona Ryder. Um, there's, like, a scene in when, like, Ripley's, like, like, enveloped in the...
0: Yeah, that's the third one. Queen
1: Xenomorph. Uh, and it's like, that's what it looked like. Also, that's because what their fucking heads look like, but that's that's yeah. a separate conversation. But it was just like... And what what drove me crazy was, otherwise we got like a great scene with tyler like i bought the acting i bought the story like especially we
0: didn't need the sex scene at all right it didn't add anything to the story
1: especially get like again to reference the issues of the day our society is having a long overdue conversation about the nature and impact of sexual assault so having a character say he invited this to stay alive obviously you step back and you understand that the lack of meaningful choice and that you're doing is like, you did not meaningfully choose to have this happen to you. You are not responsible for what was done to you, but the feeling that you are is an entirely normal part of this kind of trauma experience was beautifully and quietly and very affectingly portrayed. And then you showed me weird Klingon nipple lady. And I was just, that, that did make me angry. That, that was like, you know What? you don't if you if all you're doing it for is because you can that's not a reason to do
0: it was anybody watching star trek and thinking to themselves you know this is all right but man it would be way better if they had a bunch of like disembowelings and f-words and you know some gratuitous tits
1: well, it's, and it's funny they did that because I wasn't watching I Star Trek and thinking my, that. my analogy last week was Star Trek is the gay porn of science fiction and no matter how many naked women you add you're never going to make straight men like it and I'm like wow they really just did it um, it's just yeah th- there's no audience that's going to like Star Trek if you make it just not Star Trek enough Star Trek is one of those flavors like like cilantro you like cilantro or you don't there's nothing you do to cilantro to make it present but palatable to someone who hates cilantro. That's not a thing. So yeah, that 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 did drive me nuts. Um, I will say, uh, in terms of that plot department, I do I was fine with the ending in the in the brig because uh, I think it did clarify that whatever is happening, Ash is at least as far as Ash is concerned, not lying. Now, if it turns like I would say the most interesting iterations of that story are he is physically the Klingon Vok, but it has had a human personality grafted. So successfully he has forgotten his true self, probably on purpose.
0: Something like that.
1: Um, He is a human with a Klingon personality implanted on in him. I think the most interesting way this shakes out is if it turns out he is Vok. But has the you know grafted on personality and memories of the real Ash Tyler, and then on some at some climactic point, meaningfully chooses to identify as Tyler as opposed to Vok, and then you kind of have to like that would be a fun, very science fictiony exploration about the nature of identity, and sure. that would be a fun episode. And I would even act- better of
0: course, would be if they could split into two and have some sort of fight in engineering or something. <laughs> Because that's what you've done in TOS with Captain Kirk. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Evil Kirk. Yeah, good yeah, Kirk.
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would honestly, if they, given that he's not a traditional spy, there's at least additional layers at work here. I am well, almost willing to take back every mean thing I said about this plot line. Almost. I'm I'm reserving it. I'll, I'll, I'll I, I am grown up enough to admit when I'm wrong. And if you can make that plot line work. I'll I'll apologize for, for saying all those things I said about you.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm with you. As, as long as Tyler is a real person and all of this screen time we've spent developing Tyler and Burnham isn't wasted.
1: Even if they land on Tyler isn't a real, or Tyler did not start as a real person, but Tyler's experiences have value such yeah. that he is now a
0: real person. I don't care how he gets to be a real person yeah. just as long as the Tyler who is with Burnham you know, is a real person, oh, and well, continues to be a real person.
1: And and the, and the and one other positive thing I'll say, and maybe you read this differently, given that they were both asleep on the couch, not spooning, they still, didn't have sex. Yes, thank you, thank you, writers, thank you so 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 much. Burnham is clearly not a person who would have sex casually or early in a relationship, obviously.
0: And, and Tyler, Tyler's having been tra- raped for seven months, would right. not be jumping into bed with people.
1: Right. So, like, I was thrilled that they found a way to display emotional intimacy that did not ne- especially in heterosexuals, did not necessarily lead to sex. Well done, guys. Well done. Like, I was so, her curled up on the other side of the couch made me so happy. Because I was like, thank you for not, like, starting a good piece of work on trauma and then ignoring it. Yeah. That was. Great.
0: I do. I do have questions about how Tyler could perform sexually, given the amount of anguish and pain and terror he was experiencing. Uh, that now,
1: is, there, I've never
0: been in the situation, so you know, the, I, I just have questions. Uh, there, and,
1: there is some uh, body of work on this, especially as it relates to uh, the use of sexual assault as a war crime, that. When it comes down to it, in the same way that in a less in a differently horrifying situation, you know, you get you 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 summon the strength to lift a car off your child, your body will do what your body needs, and that's actually part of the traumatizing process for women uh, who have been sexually assaulted that their body reflexively reacted in certain ways to help them endure what was going on. And they, but we're
0: talking about a male body here. Uh, it,
1: you you've never had an erection you didn't mean to have i mean <laughs> i
0: have just... never had an erection that i was forced by someone else to yeah, I,
1: well I th- i'm just saying like th- i believe there is a body of of psychoanalysis that suggests that if that's what your brain thinks needs to happen for you to survive the day y- you can do anything
0: yeah I, no i'm yeah. willing to believe it i just kind of wanted more information about that in a tasteful way which i don't know if that's which possible. they would not have
1: done which they would yeah. not have done um yeah and the, anyway yeah. kevin
0: i'm I'm at a two on this i can't really i'm I, at a
1: four I, I i can't
0: get to a three
1: yeah i i i enjoyed the episode i i, I like the briskness i liked the character work i got and they trimmed the fat effectively on several plots i didn't like this is a four for me
0: no it's redeemed by good acting but the plot is a mess it takes too much stupidity to progress uh and the overall theme You know, they just ditched the Povins unceremoniously. The overall theme of the show is complete muddle. You know, I can't make heads or tails of it. And I don't think it's just me. You know, I tried. I truly tried. I tried to give it the benefit of the doubt. And they have failed me uh, eight out of nine times. And the the one time they succeeded, uh, you know, it was a one-off. You know, so yeah, I'm at a two.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed this episode enough that uh, and I think it required the normal amount of stupid to, to, to patch the plot holes. Um, but yeah, OK. There have
0: been so many other episodes where the plot has progressed. It, look, I mean, take any Ron Moore plot, you know. Whatever you want to say about Ron Moore, the guy can get a story from point A to point B to point C and have it make a fair amount of sense. You know, even if the story is not all that good, like, uh, is it Suddenly Human with the Jono? Right. I think Mm -hmm. was that his first one Uh, or what? No, it was uh, Roostai. I'm going to make Roostai with the boy. Um, That that was Ron Moore's first one, you know. (laughs) whatever you want to say about the, the emotional beats of the story, the plot made sense, you know? And so I know it's possible. You mentioned redemption. Redemption is a story where the plot makes sense and there's lots of cool action and there's lots of development of, of the Klingons as a culture. You know, I know it's doable. I know it's possible. And, Given the amount of time and resources that you have available to you with this show, I don't think there's much fucking excuse for not making a plot make sense. You know? You you mentioned that we're in the golden age of TV. We're they've got more money to throw at this show than they've ever, ever had in the history of the franchise. And it makes this much sense? That's it that's that's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. Mm, I care. I care about the characters. I will tune in in January. I want to find out what happens. I I have a morbid curiosity about what they're going to do with the mirror universe. You know, even though, ever since Mirror Mirror, their mirror universe has been basically horrible. Um, so you know, I I have a train wreck sort of. You know, it's like how bad could it get? Who knows, right? Um, you know, I I almost think that maybe Mirror Lorca has been. <laughs> you know, on the show the whole time. Well,
1: I was just about to suggest that if it's been Mir Lorca here the whole time attempting to steal the discovery for his own purposes, and then they leave, then he'll just go.
0: <laughs> if the show moves into, you know, a sort of, we're going to explore alternate realities. I think that's problematic, but at least enticing, you know, it's problematic in that, you know, then you never develop a world, you know, it's like, it's always different or something you really have to develop discovery as its own a world in and of itself if you're going to make it go to a bunch of different places like that um but it would still be interesting that that would be much more interesting than this stupid klingon plot and this stupid shoehorning into tos mythology that we've gotten so far you know i would be thrilled even if it didn't work, if they tried something new and different like that. So I I hope that they go across the mycelial network, you know, to all these alternate realities. You know, that'd be great. I'd love it. I would love it even more if it were revealed that what we've seen so far is one of those pocket realities that is not the prime universe uh, along this mycelial network. Really? Which that, could ex- that,
1: that wouldn't piss you off? The, the It's all a dream?
0: No, because... It could explain why, at no point in the other twenty-seven seasons of Star Trek has anyone ever mentioned uh, mushroom portals through the universe. You know, like maybe in the Prime Universe they just don't know about it. You know, and they didn't have you know mushroom tardigrades and you know blue fart spore creatures and you know, all this shit that is going on in this show that make it's like magic pseudoscience. Um, you know, Anna Lee Newitz, who writes for Ars Technica now, uh, you know, she started her review by saying, I think every episode of this show has to have some kind of like fringe type pseudoscience at this point. And I agree with that. It's like the amount of magic and just garbage science that's been on this show is disheartening, I have to say, uh, because we we talked about this before when star trek has skirted the rules before it's mentioned the rules shows us that it understands the rules and then gives us at least a half-heartedly consistent uh, explanation for why that rule doesn't apply this is just whole cloth just random ass shit that's being invented that has nothing to do with science you know and that's that's disheartening that's that's not the star trek that i grew up with you know I learned things from Star Trek. Do, do you see what I'm saying here? No, I, I, I get I that. I learned things. I, you know, I heard about something and I was like, wow, that sounds really interesting. And then I did a little extra research and I learned what was behind that thing. And it could be substantially different, but it was at least related. I will never learn anything about the mycelial fungal network permeating subspace. In, it's like, give me a fucking break. That has no relation to anything. Okay, I, I'm just you know. I'm no, going I, I
1: get it. I get it. I I don't know. I just uh, I'm feeling more chair I guess I'm I'm enjoying the character so much, and I do love Sonuca Martin Green's face. I find it soothing just to gaze upon it. Um, maybe maybe she has cast some spell over me, but um, her pseudo
0: Vulcan delivery is starting to grate on me.
1: Really, I, I'm enjoying it.
0: I really disliked the Vulcan Admiral guy. Oh, yeah,
1: he was he was not Vulcan. I was like, is he something not Vulcan?
0: Yeah, his line readings were bad. They were just bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and and p- that was part of the confusion about what was going on with Lorca and whether he was being rewarded or punished. You know, the line readings were so bad that I couldn't sort of latch on to either interpretation. You know?
1: I don't know. I enjoy I'm enjoying the ride more than I thought I would going into this. Um certainly.
0: I'm enjoying it more than the Abrams movies.
1: Well, I think after, I think after I think all the
0: bad things I've said, I still enjoy it more than the well, Abrams movies. Well, I think you'll movies.
1: enjoy your first colonoscopy more than the Abrams movies, because at least they'll drug you for that. Um, Definitely.
0: um Well, and something good'll come of it, you know? <laughs> like I'll learn something about myself. <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know. I think I continue to be in this place of the nuts and bolts are there if they choose to use them correctly. and and maybe I'm over extending goodwill here, but the ch- the things they did to advance and clarify the story in this episode make me think they might have figured out what that was, or at least they they know what doesn't work and they cut it. Which I will reward. I will be like, yeah. yeah
0: I, I agree that killing Vogue and at least ostensibly ending the, the larger Klingon war is a very positive development. Because it will at least involve Klingons talking fucking English on screen. Instead of... <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the prob- Oh my god. It was... It was like, and the prostheses just prevented any kind of enunciation. Like, like
0: it was like marbles in their mouth. Yeah. It was ridiculous.
1: I mean, um, you know, Martok and like you know, Hertzler, Michael Dorn, Robert O'Reilly. They could they spoke Klingon like you speak Shakespeare. Like they were like they were at least making phonemes. Like it just
0: well, and they they were wearing like you know tooth appliances over their top teeth but not over their bottom teeth. And I just wonder what's going on inside the mouths of these guys. Um, Yeah. Yeah. When they speak English, it works pretty well. You know, so thank.
1: I know Laurel is almost an interesting character now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I liked her scene in the brig. Um, I I thought I was going to hate the obvious progression of the Tyler is Vogue story. But I actually kind of liked it. If she's his handler, you know, and she has some sort of emotional investment in Vogue, you know, which is expressing itself through Tyler, you know, I I can I can I can dig it. Right. So, yeah.
1: Like, yeah. Had the end of this episode been. Like and there was a minute when Burnham looked behind her on the bridge and that shot right at the end was not explained what she was looking at. I assume it was Tyler leaving the bridge or something, but I was like I, I was expecting the camera to turn around to see Tyler holding a phaser at them and then no. I, Yeah, I would be I would be much more angry. Much more yeah. angry. But as it is, uh, I'm only outraged by Klingon nipples. And not that I'm outraged by nipples. I am all for women breastfeeding in public wherever and whenever they need to. This is not an anti-nipple thing. It's an anti-terrible use of gratuitous nudity thing. Like, this isn't Game of Thrones. Again, I have Game of Thrones to be Game of Thrones. Just saying. But yeah, even with all those criticism, Klingon nipples and all, I was I was like, entertained and encouraged by this episode in some key ways, um, and that balances out to a four. Maybe, maybe not the most enthusiastic four I ever give. Maybe not maybe it's closer to a three uh, than it is a five, certainly, but I would put this as as good as the other fours I've given like for the, the two-part premiere.
0: I was entertained. And then all of my enjoyment fell apart upon further examination and the developments in the show, uh, did not do anything to make me feel more hopeful. Uh, with the exception of excising the Kazon, I mean, Klingon story, uh, from, from our attention. Thank goodness. Uh, they've, finally zeroed in on what's the most interesting aspect of it you know uh the the whole cold detour was just garbage it it didn't work at all there was no point to it it could have been takuvma it could have been anybody you know um yeah i mean the acting is good i like the acting yeah that's enough for me to watch it. It's not enough for me to like it, but it's enough for me to watch it. It's
1: enough for me to like it. It's not enough for me to love it.
0: No.
1: Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I've I not had that moment yet that I would like to have with this show where I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is exactly... Like, I'm hoping it happens in the back half of this season. I'm hoping they take whatever lessons they learned. And certainly by second season, I'm hoping... Like, I will say, the, the commentary has been fairly consistent that even the people who love the show seem to identify the weight less the same problems we've identified that largely the corners that you've painted yourself into over the prequel are useless the klingons are m- mumble-mouthed nothings like all of that is consistent across the um comment pool so i'm hoping they take it to heart that yeah. would resolve no. a lot of my problems that
0: may well happen you know i this may well be the low point because it was dispensing with all the garbage that they had given themselves to dispense with. And maybe now freed of that jetsam flotsam, you know, they'll be able to, you know, burst forth and actually go explore strange new worlds and, and do fun things and interesting things. And, you know, okay, great. It just hasn't happened yet. And so, I'm not going to grade it based on possibilities. I'm going to grade it based on what was on the screen for me, and what was on the screen for me was a giant fucking mess with yeah, some I... gratu- gratuitous stuff that didn't work, and some good acting that made it not a one.
1: Yeah, I, th- I, I just th- I, I think that that overshoots the runway for me. That it was a enjoyable, well-paced episode that has oh, no. this, the problems that we. Wait, wait, wait wait,
0: way... wait, wait, wait! Well-paced. This was like the Return of the Kings of the first half <laughs> of season 1. There were like four endings in this episode well, then and, and-
1: it, it was tying up the char- like it wasn't like Return of the King had four goodbyes. That was the problem. This put all f- the the main character focuses are Burnham Tyler Stamets and Lorca and the show put the buttons on all four of them. I, I think it's overstating to say, like, Return to the King, four times the characters assembled to say goodbye to each other. That's different. We were simply clocking where all these characters are in advance of the next
0: one. I, After the Klingon ship blew up, there was a pacing problem in this episode.
1: Eh. <laughs> I Yeah, I just, I, I found this one, like, for an action episode, I found it... Su- like well paced as opposed to chaotically paced, which I normally find, uh, Star Trek's attempts at action.
0: I agree that the pacing was pretty good for the first three quarters of it. You know, like the scenes in and of themselves worked. The dual scene worked. The ship blowing up scene worked, you know, like all the, all the scenes worked. They just didn't fit together. Like people had to be stupid to get from one scene to the other. Uh, so, you know, maybe I'm being a curmudgeon. Maybe it maybe, it, you know, I don't know, maybe my liver's acting up. Maybe I'm old. Maybe maybe I just can't enjoy things the way I used to anymore. <laughs> I don't think that's the case because I've watched a lot of other super good, really great television and been just delighted, you know, like giddy over it, like The Good Place, you know. Like, I know I can enjoy things. I don't think it's me. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> well, we'll be back for more Voyager. I think we're uh, getting nothing human ready to load. So uh, uh, while Discovery... I'm
0: definitely happy to get a break from Discovery for a while.
1: Well, I'm just happy to have my Sunday nights back. i um, trying to arrange a time to watch, review the episode like nine weeks was a good had we had to do like 15 weeks in a row that would start that would start to grate on me Um uh, but even though Discovery's on break we are not uh we should uh be getting more of uh voyager up and i think if we put our shoulder into it we could probably knock out season five before uh voyager comes back
0: before discovery or, before back.
1: discovery comes back yeah
0: yeah we'll see oh we'll certainly try
1: All right, so that's a six. Um, One of our rare two-point differentials. I think there's only. I think there's been less than five um, (laughs) over the course of our time here. We tend to disagree only slightly. I do enjoy when we disagree this much. It makes it. I think statistically speaking, makes it more fun. Um, But we will see you next time. We will see you for more Voyager podcasts and more Discovery podcasts when the show comes back. And yeah, have a good one.
0: See you on the flip side, Daddy O.